come one, come all, back again with another episode of Cult of Personality. I'm joined this time by my good friend. Who are you? You you know how it be. You know how I am. It's Matt. It's Maddie T, as uh, people like to call me. How was your week so far, Maddie T? Who cares? Well, I do. That's what I'm asking. You know what? It was okay. Anything interesting happen? No. Oh, all right. Well, that doesn't sound like that okay of a week then. Sounds like a shit week. Well, if my week went, if nothing happened, um, it's just an okay week. Fine. Fair enough. You win. This is a mediocre week. Fine. Okay. You know what I did this week? What'd you do? Watched Office Space. Shit, I did that too. <laughs> and that is a topic for this week's discussion. Matt has a little synopsis, a little something to give you about the movie, so take it away. Office Space. It's a classic workplace satire. Follows Peter Gibbons, a disgruntled software engineer at Inatech, a generic software company. <laughs> He's tired of his job, as many Americans and everyone else in the world are. And he hates his boss and he hates the corporate structure until one day he is hypnotized by request of his girlfriend Mm -hmm. of the time. Uh, But unfortunately, the hypnotist passes away before he can break him out of the spell. So Peter starts acting strangely. He's waltzing about at work without a care. Uh, He's noticed by upper management in a hilarious twist. He's actually promoted despite doing no work. And the big crux of the movie lies in a heist that Peter plans with his friends Samir and Michael to drip money funnel money out of in a text account so they never have to work there again like the plot of Superman 3 I haven't seen Superman 3 so I don't know when he was referencing that if that was for real I don't know I haven't either I don't I can barely stand the first Superman yeah I don't like the first Superman either because I don't think it's a good movie yeah, well, what did you think of this movie, Office Space? You know what? I like Office Space, and I like it more than you do. And I could tell because halfway through the movie, Luke said, okay, this movie's getting weak. <laughs> and I was like, okay, maybe wait a bit. Okay, <laughs> wait for the movie to end. Yeah. Okay, imagine if I watched 2001, and I said, this is getting weak <laughs> when when I'm, when there's, he's going to pick up the space body or yeah. something. Okay, You got to wait. It's Film is patience. Okay. This is a good movie, in my opinion. Is the movie perfect? No. Uh, honestly, is it as good as I thought it would be? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a solid, a solid little film, and I can see why it has attained cult status to a degree. Okay. Yeah i I liked half of the movie, and the half that I liked, I really liked, and the half that I didn't like. I was so bored with. I was really more into the pizza that we were eating at the time than the actual movie. Shout out to Domino's. <laughs> Shout outs. Pizza. Um, yeah, I, 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 it fell flat for me eventually, and it didn't really pick it, pick the steam back up eventually. This is what you guys have to understand about the structure of the film if you haven't seen it. Basically, the first bit, I want to say the first 40, first act, uh, we're basically just getting a look at Peter's hilariously terrible work life and it's 
and it's funny because it's very relatable to many people the traffic jams uh, the bureaucracy the excessive oversight etc etc the second half of the movie then we get peter acting weird and doing weird things because he's been hypnotized mm-hmm. uh and that's when i guess things become a bit muddled and then the third act which is interesting that you don't like because also the director hates the third act of this movie mm-hmm. um then we get into some really perhaps we lose sight of the satire that they were going for yeah so that's that's our whole spoiler free shtick and then we'll just jump into uh spoiler zone here yeah and for a little backstory so this is a movie directed and written by mike judge who you might know he created beavis and butthead Mm -hmm. he he co-created king of the hill Mm -hmm. he's done this movie he's done idiocracy which is another cult film sad a cult satire Mm -hmm. by mr judge this was actually based on Milton Short. So there was a cartoon. Sh- sh- he did a cartoon short that aired, um, I believe, on Saturday Night Live uh, called Milton, which is just a man who murmurs a lot about his job in front of the camera. It's kind of Dilbert-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was actually a sort of adaptation in, of those shorts in the sense that Milton, the character, is here, and he acts the same, but he's a side character. Of course, Peter Gibbons played by Ron Livingston, is the protagonist of the film. And the thing with Milton is that you disagree. You don't think that that was an, uh, a good choice for the film to have Milton in there. So basically Milton is just, you know, it's interesting because they give him a significant amount of screen time to the point where, and I think this is the big failing of the film, is that if you're not familiar with the fact that there were Milton shorts, you're wondering why this yeah. character has so much focus for no particular reason other than, I guess, the directors think he's really funny. And that's what's good about, you know, you picking movies for us to watch that I have no clue about. Because, like, people will ask me before our show, oh, what movie are you doing? And I'll say, like, oh, we're doing Office Space. And they'll be like, oh, what's it about? I'm like, I don't know. Matthew just picked it. So I went into this knowing nothing. And then I see Milton... And, like, he had some funny parts. You must have, well, you knew, yeah. you knew about the meme. Did you know the memes from Office Space? I know the memes of, yeah, so. Yeah, I'm going to need you to. I'm going to need you to X. Did X. you know that was from Office Space? Yeah. So when people okay. ask me, what are you doing? Like, and, and I said, oh, Office Space. And they're like, what it's about? I'm like, I don't know, it's a movie where there's a guy in, and something about a stapler. That's all I really, <laughs> that's all I could go off of. Um, so yeah, I did not. I like Milton sometimes, and then but he would just start rambling. And that's and that's the thing is with the Milton shorts that that's the whole joke is that he's just like rambling. Well, we have the Milton short pulled up here. I'll just play a few seconds of it here. Well, if they move my desk one more time, I'm quitting. I used to be over by the window, and they moved me three times already this year. And, and if they do it one more time, I'm mad at here. I used to have my own stapler, too, and then when I moved back, they made me give back my stapler. I don't know if it's just because of the art, because it's a cartoon and it's just very awkward, which adds to this awkward humor. I don't know. I find it way more funny. And then if we just compare it with, you know, the office space one where he just kind of rambles and he rambles over people, it just, I don't know, it just annoys me. So here, one second. Space, we can. 
but there's no space. So if you could just go ahead and pack up your stuff and move it down there, no, that would be terrific. I, I, I was no, okay. I could stay. It, excuse me. Yeah, I, I believe you have my stapler. I, I don't know. Just to me, that isn't that funny. I think they failed with the adaptation. And it's funny because Steven Root, who plays this, apparently, like, in in regards to the cult status of the film, people love Milton mm -hmm. as a character in this movie. And he's fine. It's just, this is a, I think it, the problem with this is that if this were, you know, many comedies have side plots or recurring jokes that don't land, but because there's so much time and yeah. purpose devoted to this, it brings the movie down to a certain degree. So I think this was a misstep. Yeah, like he's in he's in the movie a lot. I didn't really think about it then, but now that I think back on it, he's in it a, a lot. It, well, yes, because he was in it a lot, and it was to the point where I, I looked this up, and I was like, there has to be something. There's no reason why this character would be in this movie so much. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you know, the comedy is subjective, but really it's not that funny. No. Right? Okay? Yeah. So... And of course, it it made sense that it was based based on shorts, and that they had actually Fox had asked him apparently to just make a Milton movie, uh, and then he was like, "No, you can't make a movie about Milton." Oh, really? Yeah. And so then he's like, "Didn't like do Office Space then." Huh. So that's interesting. But I think Milton is a Milton is a weak point comedy wise, but I think otherwise, like especially performance wise, this is a pretty good, well done movie. I do like Ron Livingston as Peter Gibbons. He plays a he plays a classic everyman. I mean, he's supposed to be the everyman in this movie, right? It's just he's supposed to be someone you can project yourself onto and think about how much you hate your job. You really liked him? I did like him. I I didn't think he was he he's he plays sort of a straight man role for a big portion of the movie and he acts goofy for I guess the second half. Uh, or the second act, pardon. But I think, frankly, that he did a fairly good job as a protagonist. I think he was likable, and I thought that, you know, he doesn't get a lot of the big comedic lines, but comedic things happen to him. So, I don't know. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the performances from the cast. I liked, uh, what's his name, Mr. Harmon as Michael Bolton. Yeah. He was fun. Um Everyone does a pretty good job, especially Gary Cole as Bill Lumberg. Bill Lumberg was my favorite character by far. I I guess you could argue that I mean he only does one thing in the movie. He he only emotes in one way and he just has one kind of line, but every time that he does that one thing, I find it funny every single time. It's just funny because everybody knows and it, and a big portion of the film is just how relatable every aspect is, but it's funny because we, everybody knows that sort of ma like passive aggressive manager that is using these like idioms all the time. Yeah, and it's just like if you could so do annoying. X, that would be great. I've heard yeah. that so many times, no matter where I've worked. And it's like it's in it's in a way of trying to endear yourself to your coworkers, but really it just makes you it just makes them hate you more. It's so funny, and Gary Cole does such a great job with this because he's his character is just so oblivious uh, in general. So it's just hilarious every time he's on screen. His delivery in this is the one of the, my favorite parts of the movies because just hearing Bill say, mm, "Yeah," 
It's uh, funny. I'm going to have to sort of disagree. Ooh. We have a clip hold up that we can play here. I don't know if it's going to be too loud, but let's just see how it goes. <laughs> um, I'd like to move us right along to a Peter Gibbons. Now, we had a chance to meet this young man, and boy, that's just a straight shooter with upper management written all over him. Ooh, yeah. Um, I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. Yeah, uh, he's been real flaky lately. And I'm just not sure that he's the caliber person that we would want for upper management. I, I don't know. This every time, uh, every time it lands for me. It's good, and I can see why people make memes of him because it's funny, and you can just put the format into anything. And he dresses like uh, an American Psycho character. I he, I he, pointed out. He, which he dresses hilariously bad. Yeah, uh, and that's great too. And he's just like a the classic forty-year-old man. But I don't know why. But I, and I'm gonna have to kind of disagree with you here. I don't really think the acting for the main character is all that great. I don't think it's amazing, but I think it's serviceable. He just like I, I would say that it's a, a okay. Well, what do you have? What do you think about it in particular? Um, so there's just a, like everything that he, the way he says things, I can't believe they pay off. So eventually, after he quits his job, or he, he doesn't quit his job, but he takes a day off. He's like, I'm not coming in because they said or Lumberg said, can you come in on? Saturday and Sunday, and he said, fuck that, I'm staying home, I'm having a day to myself. His girlfriend calls him, says that she's been cheating on him, which was kind of a running joke of people saying, oh, I kind of get the feeling, or he, uh, the main Peter would say, I have the feeling that my girlfriend's cheating on me, and then people would say, yeah, I kind of get that feeling too. And then she says, yeah, I'm cheating on you, so then he says, fuck it, and he goes to Chachi's, which is this restaurant that him, him and his buddies would go to for lunch frequently, and there's this waitress there that he mentioned in passing one time that he was kind of into. And then he just goes up to her and he's like, uh, yeah, will you go uh, t have lunch with me? And just the way that he says, it, I'm like, wow, any woman working a minimum wage job right now and some schlub comes up to her you know, and he's wearing his p PJ saying, want to go on a date with me? And just the awkward way that he says it, she'd say, uh, nope. Well, because she does at first, she's like, I don't think I can. She's like, oh, and he's like, all right, well, I'm going to be there anyway, so you can come with. And I guess the point is that because he doesn't give a damn, and that's what makes him attractive, or that because he's acting different, that's what makes him attractive. But I don't know. He does, He especially because in that second act, he's acting all dreamy and strange. I could see why some people would, um, or why you would, like take issue with some of his delivery there but mm -hmm. i didn't really mind it was fine i think i think i'd like to s i would like to see him in another movie is the first thing i thought after i was done i was like i hope ron livingston got more work after this yeah another character that i really liked was so peter has this neighbor because he lives in this kind of I, I guess he lives in a condo you would call it yeah, like a condo. Yeah, I would say that. So he has someone living right beside him, and the walls are very thin, so every time that they're talking, they can kind of butt into each other's conversations. And he has this neighbor. I wish I had a clip pulled up. I didn't. But uh, <laughs> it's just like a typical redneck character, I guess you would call him. Mm -hmm. And he works a construction job. And Peter asks him, does anyone at your job ever say something like, oh, it sounds like you have a case of the Mondays? And then there's 
neighbor is just like, fuck no, man. And <laughs> I don't know, just the way every time that he's on screen and he has a joke, it always lands for me. Yeah, no, Lawrence was a good character. He just he's a nice guy, but he's just like a a classic sort of a redneck, yeah, for lack of a better word. He comes over to Peter's house, he's like, You gotta check this out, man. He puts boobs on the T V Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and he's always drinking his beers and stuff, and he's always listening to whatever's going on in Peter's house. And Peter's like, if you had uh, a million dollars, what would you do? And he's like, two women? Two girls at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, uh, what Like what else other than that? He's like, that's it. I don't know. It's just funny. And, and you know what? There's something interesting thematically with Lawrence, and that's that so Lawrence in the film is depicted as being a lot happier than Peter is mm-hmm. and apparently making more money uh, than Peter is at his uh, software engineer job. And if we're just going to fast forward to the end of the movie. Yeah, go ahead and do whatever. After, oh, we should explain what happened. So after yeah. they pull, a, they'll pull, they pull their little heist in which Michael was supposed to write a bug that would pull a fraction of a cent out of all each transaction that Inatech makes every day so that over some two years you would get a few hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. But some mistake made it so that he got that, they got 300,000 two days. So Peter is clues on that they're going to get caught. So he writes a confession taking all the blame for it, slides it under Lumberg's door. Um, but Milton walks into the his Lumberg's office before Lumberg does that morning and he finds the checks and then he burns the building down. Actually, that was the one. No, co- he does. He doesn't even care about the checks. He grabs a stapler. I thought he grabs a stapler. But I think the implication when he's on his vacation. Oh, right, shit. You're right. You're right. You're right. Is yes, that he is. grabbed the yes. check. Yeah, you're totally right. And actually, the one thing that paid off in terms of comedy with Milton was that um there was a there was it's very subtle there's like one or two times where he murmurs like i'm gonna burn the building down and then he does and i thought that was kind of funny the the thing is i i was thinking about this the other day is that i mean you could argue that we don't really know if it was him it was him because he after then peter looks at him and then milton's like oh no and then he runs away remember after But, but i think you could argue that he didn't do it but he said it and then if people would just think that it was him yeah so he was nervous i suppose i like to think that he i like to think that he burned it down me too um but anyway the the point is at the end of the film after the building's down all the evidence from the crime is gone so they kind of have a blank slate peter goes to work in construction with lawrence and he says you know what a little bit of fresh air some exercise and a decent pay this is what life's about and what's weird is that it's almost like the underlying theme in this movie is not just in diet. It's like because of that, it makes me think this movie isn't um, an indictment of like day to day life. It's very much a a criticism of a very specific gray corporate cubicle kind yes. of scheme. Yeah. Which I think is fine, although I think is a little bit short-sighted in the sense that it's it's it just prevent it's it presents like construction work as a virtue like i'm sure mike just has never done construction work in his life and i'm sure he just like pissed that he had to work in an office and he saw his buddy having a good time drinking his beer yeah 
because apparently he uh the character of lawrence is based off somebody he knew which was just a guy one of his friends that was working construction and just seemed happier than he did working wherever mike judge did that inspired him to make this movie mm-hmm. so that was an odd thing and and i i'd like the i like the idea of the film as an, a workplace satire because i find that interesting um but that was an odd that was an odd conclusion to a thematic arc for me. Yeah, so let's talk about the satire in the okay. movie. And I one of my favorite parts about this movie is the opening sequence because it it shows the theme of the movie as well as introduces the characters very well. So the opening of the movie is just uh, the three main characters, Samir, Peter, and Michael, and they're just stuck in traffic going to work. You see Michael listening to some gangster rap. You see Samir. Kind of, he was kind of passively just w- waiting in traffic, I as I remember. Yeah. And then you see Peter, who's just so tired, and he looks to the side and sees this old man with his walker going faster than he is, and he's just he's so not having it. He he's so tired of this, and it just shows for lack of a better word, all, all the wages going to their job. Yeah. Uh, and you forgot the best part with Michael is that he's he's rapping this gangster rap, but then a black guy is homeless like ask, man is, uh, ask, yeah. is asking for money on the side of the road, and he's like, shit, and he locks the door and <laughs> tries not to make eye contact. Yeah, that and was that great, is, too. And that's a very good uh, character-establishing moment yeah. as well. So, no, I agree. And the start of, satire starts off strong because, like, the first 30 minutes of the movie is just, like, Peter's day and just showing how terrible it is and and it's meant to be relatable. It yeah, it starts off with him getting shit for fill not filling out this you know arbitrary form, the TPS form incorrectly. Yes, and everyone is on his case. So Bob comes up, Lumber comes up, and or Bill Lumber comes up and he says, "Did you not get the uh, memo about the?" TPS reports. And he's like, no, I got it right here. He's like, all right, I'm going to send you a new one of those, okay? So just in the future, try to fill them out properly, okay? Thank you, or whatever. And then his bo- and then Bill's boss comes and says the same thing to him, and then he gets a call about TPS reports. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, but I mean, I suppose, and I don't blame him, is that you can't do that for an entire movie. So, of course, then that's sort of the... That's where I feel like the bulk of the satire was, was in the first act of the movie Mm -hmm. because then it gets later on it gets a little caught up in the narrative and you get some you still get some great stuff like i i love the idea that he came to the interview and just was like i don't give a shit about this job because who cares yeah so all the all the characters have to go do you know their yearly performance interviews yeah and this is after he gets hypnotized and he goes and he's just like, yeah, so basically I do nothing every day. I sit around and I'll stare at the ceiling for maybe 30 minutes. And then after that, I'll kind of go for a lunch break. And he says, I do 15 minutes of work a week. <laughs> and they're like, wow, this is such an insightful look into why our workers are so unmotivated. And this is such such a conscious analysis of, of yeah. the company so then these two bobs by the way one of the bobs is that guy from scrubs that is a dick i forgot his name all i know him from was that movie wild hogs or wild hog it's like that movie with tim allen 
and John Travolta. Oh, Jesus. Old dogs <laughs> or whatever. Is it Wild Hogs? Oh, God. He's like a gay cop in that movie. He's also, he is in Scrubs. He just plays, he plays like a doctor who's just a dick. I think his name is like McKinley or something. That's probably, that's where the first thing I saw him. I, I like him in this movie. I like him in other stuff too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should look up his, I should check his name. Uh, hold on a second. He's good. He's also, he's like a, he's a bit of a standout for me in terms of the supporting cast. Um, we're looking at, now other than John C. McGinley. Mm. plays Bob Slidell and if you're curious on Scrubs he plays Perry Cox okay yeah um yeah and the like there's so many good satirical parts too and just like so much so much relatable content like they're having their weekly meetings and they're just talking about just arbitrary new rules that you have to follow they're like okay so now everything's going to be reverse alphabetical order and it's going to be this, that, and the other thing. It reminds me of, like, those motivational posts. Or, like, I always see posts, people talking about at work. Managers will say things like, "The only, what makes things extraordinary is that little bit of extra. And just all the sorts of mo- motivational things. I don't know. All that stuff is no, so funny. It was very good. And it was, and it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, overindulgent. It was, it was poignant, but it was. It was it was restricted because it was just real, like yeah. Any all the corporate schemes, all like the corporate uh, new campaigns they have, and the mm-hmm. ones like what is this bullshit, and the birthdays, and it's all great. All that stuff is great, and although it's sprinkled in later, and it's the bulk of it's at the first part of the movie, I think it's. I frankly think that it's strong enough, and perhaps I haven't seen enough workplace satire, but it's strong enough that stuff alone that even if you really don't. You or you wouldn't like the rest of the movie. I would still recommend watching the movie for some of that stuff. I would too. And before we started the show, you were saying something interesting about Jennifer Aniston's character in this movie. Yeah. So Jennifer Aniston, I suppose, is the only big star in this movie. Probably the only person that uh, your average person would recognize from this film. Um, initially, she was cast uh, because. 20th Century Fox demanded a big star Mm -hmm. uh, for the film, as this is mostly relative unknowns. Um, And initially, her story was a lot smaller than it is in the film. But of course, you know, if you're going to pay for a big star, she's got to be on screen for a while. Mm -hmm. So, of course, Fox coerced Mike Judd into making her role bigger, which is why the love story, which you were not a fan of, uh, takes not a significant portion of the movie, but it's definitely uh, a, an important subplot, I suppose. And the thing with it is that it's very conventional to the point where it's almost like Mike Judge was like, I guess I'll put this in, and he did the bare minimum uh, in terms of crafting the love story. But what do you think about it? So I kind of touched on it earlier how it starts off in just a really unrealistic way to me, just really poor writing, because he, he just kind of mentions in passing that, oh, she's cute, but I have a girlfriend. And then he gets hypnotized, which was also just sort of an awkward scene. Like, I, I don't know, he just got hypnotized and then the guy died in front of him and he didn't give a shit that this hypnotist just died. In because front he of was him. in his state. I guess so. Yeah, that's fair. Um and then he just goes up to this girl and he's like, hey, you want to go on a date with me? And she's like, okay. And she leaves work and goes on a date with him. And then she was like, oh, what do you do? He's like, ah, nothing. 
I'm I think I I didn't quit my job, but I'm just not going there anymore. So he's seemingly unemployed. He's dressed like shit. He's acting really awkward. And then he invites Jennifer Aniston, who's a nice looking woman, uh, to his condo to watch kung fu movies. And then she's seemingly put in a trance and she's like, oh, I'd love to. And I thought it was a joke, but she actually would love to and goes over to this random guy's house or condo, sorry, to watch kung fu movies. Jennifer Aniston's not given, uh, I was going to say a lot, but anything to do in this movie. Um, She has like zero comedic moments in this film, um, which is odd to me. Well, it's not that odd. Yeah. Be, like can Jennifer Aniston as a character in this movie is just the, the love interest. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and she's not given a lot of she. I don't know. She's she's window dressing for this film. She has a a bit of a good. She has a good sequence that I liked, and so she's working as a waitress at this tacky restaurant called Chachi's, and their boss wants them to wear minimum fifteen pieces of flair, and that's just any sort of decorative thing that they like. So she wears 15 pieces minimum and she just wears these buttons and Peter says like, oh, I like your your buttons. I forget which which one it was. And she's like, oh, I don't even know what they say. I don't give a shit about these. I just put them on because I have to. And the boss, her boss pulls her aside and he's like, I see that you're only wearing 15 pieces. She's like, yeah. He's like, well, 15 is kind of the minimum. And she's like, okay, well, I'm doing that. He's like, yeah, but it would be nice if you just put in a little a little extra. And I really like that because I, I think a lot of people can relate to this where your work tells you to do this minimum thing that you have to do. And then if it's just if you're just a waitress at a restaurant called Chachi's, you're going to do the bare minimum because this isn't your this isn't your dream in life to work at Chachi's. You're just doing the bare minimum, get your paycheck and get home. So she's wearing 15 pieces. She doesn't give a shit. And he's like, yeah, it's a minimum, but you can just do a little extra. She's like, oh, you want me to express myself? And then she flips him off. And that was that was just funny. And then she quits. Yeah. Uh, no, that, that, no, that was a good sequence when she when she's fed up with the flare. And that and actually that that like mini storyline with the flare is is the is is pretty good satire, too, because it, it fits very much in the theme of. Uh, just workplace disgruntlement. Yeah, but otherwise, like her relationship with Peter, uh, it's kind of surface n- level. to write home about. They just, they just watch kung fu sometimes, and they're like, "Yeah, we're dating." They have, they don't have any chemistry, really. None, none, and and people use that word a lot, like chemistry. And obviously, in a film like Office Space, it's not as big as a deal as it is in a rom com. But really, um, you can really just cut out Jennifer Aniston's whole storyline uh and you wouldn't be losing much if anything because the only thing that happens at the end of significance is that i guess peter uses his relationship with her as a crux as a crutch for being happy yeah i don't know that's about it and there's just this weird subplot that just interrupts a whole movie that i don't care about and it's they're at this party so one of the one of the guys in the office gets fired along with uh, Peter's two friends, Samir and Michael, this old guy, and he decides he's going to kill himself. And he locks a garage door, starts his car. He's going to kill himself. And then his wife comes home, and that gives him life. And he says, oh, I'm just going out to get milk or whatever. So I'm going to go do that. And then he opens up the garage door, backs out, and gets hit by a truck. Drunk driver. A drunk driver. 
and he's getting a big settlement, so he's throwing a party. Peter and the gang go, and then this one guy who's a great character, but he only has, like, two lines, is saying, like, oh, are you uh, are you dating her? He's like, yep, talking about Jennifer Aniston, and he says, oh, better wear a rubber. And he's like, why? He's like, oh, she's been around like a record, baby. And then he's like, oh, yeah, with who? And then he says Lumberg. He doesn't say Bill Lumberg. He just says Lumberg. And then there's this weird side plot of him being upset with his girlfriend for having sex with his boss before they started dating, which he assumes is his boss, but then isn't. And it's like, what does this have to do with the movie? It was kind of the thing I liked about that plot. And the reason I didn't mind it totally is that it's funny because Peter, because Bill Lumberg lives in his head rent free. And it's funny that he despises his boss so badly. And I mean, not that Bill Lumberg is an upstanding human being, but he's just a guy doing his job and giving annoying passive aggressive instructions at every turn. Mm -hmm. But Peter Gibbons has such a deep seated hatred for him that the idea that his girlfriend had sex with him is literally haunting his dreams. He goes to bed and he's tossing and turning. And he imagines Bill Lumberg with his coffee mug going, yeah, while he's having sex with his girlfriend. Uh, so that's funny. The, it is a bit of a a weird like payoff when it's, oh, it's actually Ron Lumberg, who's some other young guy that moved away. And they were, and that's the resolution of the storyline. I don't know. It was odd. And I think it, maybe it's just due in part because the romance storyline just does not work in general. So having this weird mini subplot to your already subplot uh, does not really gel. Yeah. And another thing that's kind of awkward to me is that the ending of the movie is really weird because the villain in this movie is kind of upper management. I would say, would you say so? The villain in this movie is, yeah, I would just say in general the the villain of this movie is is just the corp is corporate structure, right? But so at the end of the movie, the building burns down. That doesn't kill a business. So upper management's still gonna be fine. Uh, Peter now has this comfy construction job that he likes. Samir and Michael are now going to be flat on their ass still without a job. No, they're uh, working at Initrode, the rival. Oh, right. Okay. And then the guy who gets a payoff is Milton. I think the reason, and I think, well, I think the reason they, the the reason who, well, that's the classic comedy thing is that the the person who profits the most is just like the funny gag. That's true. And the other thing is that because we we don't want to have Peter, um, uh, profit off his off his crime because otherwise you're not seeing growth from his character because i guess the point there is that he learns to appreciate hard work to a certain degree in the sense that he learned the value of enjoying what you're doing rather than just coasting by and or stealing you know what i'm saying i guess so that's just i guess that's a general could see it's a weird moral to have because like as if we need to tell us this like we're (laughs) adults like we know that stealing is bad, but I suppose it's fine. It's Mike. I think it's a decent call, and it's nice to see Peter fulfilled in a way that isn't just, I guess, him having a lot of money doing nothing. Yeah, another thing that I wasn't a big fan of, and I, uh, it kind of made sense when I read a bit more, was I didn't like Samir's acting at all in this. Oh, movie. really? Yeah, I thought it was really awkward, and I couldn't tell. 
because they always allude to his race in this movie, and I couldn't tell what race he was supposed to be. And then we looked it up, and he was supposed to be Iranian, and then they changed it to, what was it? Jordanian. And they got a dialect coach for him. And it was just such a weird, and maybe that's why his accent in the movie just seemed so off to me. And just, like, he had some lines that he would deliver, and they were just so so odd. Samir doesn't work that well for me because he's almost a straight man because he's, yeah. he's not very silly. Uh, but we already have that with Ron. So, really, you get two guys that are just kind of, like, normal and serious. Um, and you get, and then you get Michael Bone, who's a bit sillier. The thing that we, I think, is interesting that doesn't necessarily excuse any of the issues that you might have with the film in this regard but Mike Judge, when asked, there's this very specific quote, and I think, I believe I sent it to you, but it, it, it gives some context to some of the creative choices. He says, there were a lot of people who wanted me to set this movie in Wall Street or like the movie Brazil, but I wanted it to be very unglamorous, the kind of bleak work situation like I was in. He mentions Brazil? He does. Okay. And, and, and I suppose it's I suppose that makes sense because if you're going to do a workplace satire then he, Brazil is probably the preeminent one, I suppose. Yeah. But the thing is that I think the message and like I said it doesn't excuse anything but is that a lot of the choices in the film are relatively mundane because that's very much the tone and atmosphere that he wants to set for the film. Mm. Which is why really there's no like overly comedic character in the sense of like a Jim Carrey type. The yeah. the most eccentric character there is is well is Milton and he's whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like and then really like Bill Lumberg and he's not even eccentric, he's just funny because yeah. of his mannerisms. So I can respect to a certain degree that, you know, there are things in this film that are relatively restrained versus something like Brazil, you know? So I can understand why Samir is a straight man and also uh, even Michael Bowen's really not that silly. He's like, he's a silly guy, but he's he's like relatively normal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can, I can just sort of appreciate the idea that Mike Judge seems to have, which is that he wants the film and tone and atmosphere to be a reflection of office life. Yeah, and I I totally respect that. And the reason I was so insulted halfway through the movie is that it just delves into this relationship that is so forced and so boring and so uninteresting in the face of all the great possibility of satire. Yeah, and I mean, it says right here, Judge hated the ending and wished he could have completely rewritten the third act. Uh, Apparently big regrets there. I, I, I don't even know how you would conclude the film differently. And it's weird because the film is really, I, I suppose it's the heist film, but the heist is like almost secondary. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like, I feel like the, he brings it up out of nowhere too. It's just like he got this promotion and then we have this great montage of things going gr- well for him. And then he's like, okay, we're actually going to steal money from the company. Yes, uh, and I said, well, it's because, and I guess it was because he, even though he was being promoted, his friends were being let go, and yeah. he, he wasn't a fan of the injustice. Well, especially because he probably was aware that he was doing no work, but he still got promoted. And he, he says that too. Yeah. Um, the thing is, I wouldn't say that 
the heist was a misstep because I think that in a movie like this, it helps to have some sort of event happen because although it'd be nice to have a movie when a sort of one of those films where nothing quote unquote happens Mm -hmm. like the big Lebowski or something like that, but you need to have some sort of driving force. So I don't mind that. And there's some, and it's actually like somewhat interesting, the tension that they have when they're trying not to get caught just because I'd have no idea where the story is going to go with it. Well, the thing is, and it was really funny when they did like the heist sequence is just, they put a code on a floppy disk and then they pass a floppy disk to Peter and then he put it in the computer and they're like, Hmm, all right, that wasn't that hard. And they're like, yeah, that was it. And then, ju- and then it just cuts to him the next morning and then he checks his bank account and that's full. And then he's like, whoops. So that was the whole thing. That was a big payoff. Yeah. And then of course them cl- trying to clean up the mess, which is funny. Cause in real life, I mean, technically, if they just give the money back, they can the company can say we won't press charges. But in real life, they'd be like, "Okay, we're still pressing charges." Yeah. So this this wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. Uh, There is actually a good scene when they're panicking about what to do with all this money that they stole and then that they know is going to be noticed when this black guy knocks on the door. And he's like selling magazine subscriptions. I really li- I like I like I like that scene too. Yeah, this guy black guy knocks on the door, and he says, "Hello, I am a former crack addict, and I am s- selling magazine subscriptions." Uh, and he's like his his eyes are going all over the place. And then they bring him in and they ask him, uh, w- "Like tell tell us your crack dealer so we can launder this money. money." And that that whole thing is funny because they have no idea what they're doing. And then the guy's like, look, I'm a software engineer. <laughs> that was all bullshit, okay? Uh, and then they're like, you won't tell anyone, right? So then they have to buy 40 magazine subscriptions. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. That was, that was like another little funny moment. Well, another jab there was he said, like, I made more money selling magazines, magazines today than I, I do did. at my software job. Yeah. So the whole movie is really just a middle finger to software development jobs yes uh, software development uh because apparently mike judge worked in silicon valley so i'm sure he had stuff with like like that and i mean especially i suppose in the 90s or in the late 90s there was a big boom of software oriented um business and and such with i don't know i suppose the rise of the personal computer because i would guess it would be around that time that people will started to have computers in their home all the time yeah and then it was kind of like the safe job oh be a software tech you yeah. can get a job right out of college well and it's just so dry because is is there anything more like mundane than just sitting at a computer for <laughs> eight hours and then clocking out and then yeah. going home and looking especially in the 90s when uh, like they didn't even have os it's just like green code <laughs> or like the most basic macintosh stuff and this is like this is this is filling me with despair just looking at this. This is horrible. Yeah. So, yeah, it is, in general, I made a middle finger to software companies in particular, as well as the corporate corporations and the corporate scheme and cat. And, well, I don't know about capitalism. I'm just going to say one last thing, for me at least, and then I can get into reigning, is not that this movie needs to be abundantly artistic but i found the cinematography in this movie at times really boring to look at too well that's because well that's what i was alluding to not that they excuse it but i think that's why he says he wanted to be unglamorous like brazil is a very beautiful film right yeah but one of my favorite movies 
but I think with Brazil, the whimsy is meant to, I so to be a contrast, I guess, to the more um, innocuous aspects, like the more boring stuff. And and it's also supposed to be because in the film, you know, there's there's big themes of freedom and, and escaping your life and such like that. But I guess in office space, the point is uh, you don't. Sometimes you just work in an office and that's your life. No, but my thing is that, like, if you look at even just a show like The Office, the way that they shoot it really helps. But this, this movie was a shot like any rom-com and even like the picture quality, the colors are really bright, where and I think it's really unfitting. Where I'd really like them to be a little more muted. I know this is minute, but I I re- I look at this stuff a lot. Like it looks like Mike Judge turned on the camera, and then there was no filters added. There was no color grading. He just turned on the camera, filmed it, and then put the movie. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it, it's just like it's shot just like. I don't know. It looks really basic. And I think if he just shot it a little with a little more intent, it would even add more to the satire, I think. Yeah. I didn't I didn't par- pay particular attention to it. I didn't I thought it was it's very standard. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like almost not excruciatingly standard, but it's like hilariously standard. You're not going to see like any shot. The only thing I can think of is the shot of Milton at his desk and then you have the big corporate banner on top like I like that shot yes yes that was that was a standout thing but otherwise it's there's not a lot of stuff um the printer scene is nice but that's funny and it's so stylized too like it looks like a an 80s music video when they're stomping on it and yeah. everything and and maybe that's why it's so iconic because it's such a aesthetically stand like it's so it just stands out compared to the rest of the shots in the movie and i can't believe i haven't mentioned the soundtrack because one of my favorite things about the movie is that it's i actually think it's very inspired that the whole soundtrack is gangster rap yeah because for some reason that hits close to home because it's it's almost like people wanting an escape from the life that they have the Mm -hmm. white collar life and they and they like kind of want to be gangsta, and you see that all the time, which is why rap music is popular now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the the, the, the songs used and specifically were good were good choices, and just in general to have that. And fo- and you better believe Fox fought him on that. They were like, "There's no fucking way." Oh, for sure. You're doing gangster rap, and he said, "No, it has to be gangster rap for the mm-hmm. for the whole soundtrack." So I really love that aspect. That's it's it that really could have been a gimmick just haha movie with gangster rap soundtrack but it really pulled it off for me and i really appreciated that choice uh, yeah i like that too yeah every every montage that they had was just a gangster rap playing over it was so funny yeah or just, a- and michael has like a snoop dog poster in his cubicle yeah, just stuff like that it's that's hilarious and everyone knows like a guy like that and michael's like oh they better they better fix this printer. There's going to be hell to play. I don't even want to say what I'm going to do. And he's like, you're not going to do anything. You're not going to do shit. Yeah, it's just funny. Uh, so I, 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 I love the soundtrack. I think that was very inspired. I think that's, I think when I think of reasons why this was a cult movie is like, especially that, because that's like a pretty unconventional choice, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting, though, because of the movies we've seen, I feel like this is the least cult. It's almost like in the sense that it's the most actually i would argue like night of the living dead is the the least cult in the sense that i just watched it and i thought this isn't an, a particularly strange film if you know what i'm saying 
I think I, f- I feel like a big movie. This reason this movie, well, a big reason this movie became a cult film was it bombed at the box office. Yeah. Um, but Comedy Central used to rerun it like every week. Oh, okay. And then like uh, the first two years, or the first year of the film coming out after Comedy Central ran it out, they sold like two and a half million copies on VHS and DVD, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, even though the film performed terribly at the box office. So it really resonated with people right after it came out. So it's almost weird because it's it's like a it's barely a cult movie because typically like a movie will bomb and then like ten years will pass and people will go, oh, this movie is actually hilarious. Mm-hmm. But like Office Space was like a, became a cult movie after the DVD release. Yeah. But no, I I mean I I think it's worthy of its cult status because it's it's. There's interesting stuff in the film that's like almost you could call idiosyncratic, like the gangster rap soundtrack, like Bill Lumberg and, and his whole shtick and Milton mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I, I, I like it. I like that part. Yeah. What uh, What would you rate it? If I had to give it bags of popcorn, mm-hmm. yeah, this is tough because I said I wasn't gonna do half bags. Lo- okay, you're picking right now. You're doing half bags. No half bags. I mean, you're doing a 10-bag scale. or Okay, I'm doing five-bag scale forever. Yeah. Okay. No half bags. Yep. I'm going to give the three bags. Okay, that's fine because I'm giving it six bags. I'm going to give it three bags out of five. I think it's worth the watch. I think there's stuff that makes it not a totally cohesive film in yeah. the way that I want it to be. And I think that some aspects of of the of the satire or some of the thematic stuff uh doesn't end as well as it should and i think that i would have liked to see, i would like to see what judge would have done with this if he had rewritten the third act completely me too uh i think for me the movie just kind of got lost in the sauce it 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 got so confused and muddled it reminded me of when i watched this movie snowden a while ago, and it's... I liked Snowden when I saw it in theaters. It's the same thing. It's this cool movie about Edward Snowden, and then there's so much dedicated to this stupid fucking love story that I couldn't care less about. I couldn't... Like, you want to show me a love story when we're talking about Edward Snowden? Like, get out of here. I can excuse that in Snowden because, I mean, it's the movie is like Snowden is... He leaks. He's he's a whistleblower, and he leaks, and it's like, I got to evade the feds or whatever. But especially because a apparently his his wife or his girlfriend actually is like a big part of his life, so mm-hmm. I can excuse that. And also because you got to have somebody for Edward Snowden. I don't know. It fit. It, I didn't mind it as much in Edward Snowden. The big problem with me here is that you're you're working with what you're. This is a fictional script, so you don't. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they just got lost, I think, and couple of the characters performances i didn't really like but there was so much that i loved in the first half that that's why i'm giving it a passing grade i think you should watch this probably with friends not something i think you would get a ton of enjoyment watching out of alone uh but maybe you would hey uh it's definitely it definitely is really i don't know what to say really important pop culture but it's definitely prominent Uh, i would give it a watch just to be in the know uh, but I would argue that this is when people think office satire besides the office, mm-hmm. they then think office space. Yeah. So 
So, oh, you think it's more important than me just saying it's somewhat important? No, I'm just saying that I think that it's. No, I just think that it's it's very much in the public consciousness. Oh yeah, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, um, but I think I think I just get it has a lot of faults to it, but not enough so that I hated my entire viewing experience. But I probably would not watch this movie again. I think I got pretty much everything out of it the first go. I might watch it again if if I've had like four beers and <laughs> somebody said, "Hey, let's watch Office Space." I I just keep say okay. All right, so that was Office Space. We're both giving it the same grade, which was odd because you said that. I d- well, I did. Well, I th- I think what happened was I, I did thought I liked it. Well, because the thing with you is that you go, oh man, I don't like that movie. Six, like your your scale's all fucked, man. No, uh, because no. here here's how I do it. I, I, if it's a five. I like the movie. Five out of ten. No, bro. Exactly. You didn't like the exactly. movie. Exactly. But I really liked the first half r- a lot. I thought there was a lot going on that was good with it. So that's why it's a six for me. The way that we rate things is just differently. Okay. Well, ideally, if I had if I had ten bags to work with, which I don't, uh-huh. it would be like a seven. Right. So you liked it more than I did, and I give it. A, and that's why you should just do ten bags. Why well, won't though? Okay. So now our ratings are the same, but our feelings are different. So. Yeah. Well, when Eber gives two movies four out of four, he doesn't like them the same. Well, yeah. And get, look who's alive, me and not him. <laughs> okay. So what does that have to? Do? <laughs> if Ebert was so great and so smart, why'd he die? Because he needed to give the other critics something to do. Exactly, and I'm doing it. So <laughs> next next week, week of Valentine's Day, we're going to do a love one. We're doing Princess Bride. And after that, I thought now that we're a few episodes in, it would be fitting to do the sequel to the first show that we did, Night of the Living Dead. We're doing Dawn of the Dead. The classic film, great film. Um, Which is even more of a satire of capitalism than this movie really is, but hey. To be honest, it was watch that movie. It was like, yeah, I'm going to have a good time. Kind of a downer. It would be uh, cooler if they did a little faster, a little less insecure. Like Night of the Living Dead, everybody dies, but it's not even that like a downer. I was like, okay. I saw Dawn of the Dead. I was like, oh, this life fucking sucks. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Like, Jesus. So stay tuned for that. Uh, this was Maddie T. This was Luke. This was uh, Office Space. This was Milton mumbling. Take care. Yeah. Um.